Welcome to the Kingsway Christian Fellowship Home Service. We hope that you'll be blessed as you listen to this audio sermon streamed live from Melbourne, Australia. Kingsway Christian Fellowship is a family Bible-based non-denominational church preaching Jesus Christ, based in Wonturner. Visit www.kingswaychristianfellowship.com. Now here's Pastor Gary Fitzgerald. see everyone this morning online and um, it's just a, a, a real joy actually to be able to come together even though it's in the circumstances and knowing that we're persevering and uh, soon enough uh, I think we'll well actually we can already start gathering together in very small groups but soon enough we'll be able to get together for our bible studies and and eventually church so we do look forward to that praise the lord um I do want to get into the word this morning and uh, share with you some thoughts in scriptures and is going to be based on Isaiah chapter 53. And so I know this is a familiar portion of text, which we'll get to in a moment. But after last week, I, uh, Brother Morris ministered on the mercy of God. And uh, it was a very... Uh, it was just a wonderful message in which uh, the scriptures were revealed and in which we saw so clearly God's love for us and the mercy that has been bestowed upon us through Christ Jesus and just the very nature of God himself. And so, um, uh, and I specifically recall when he considered the, the parable of the good Samaritan, you may remember. And so there were aspects of that particular parable that he brought out that related to uh, God's purpose through Jesus Christ. And so uh, he used typology, he spiritualized that, that, that parable, and he applied it to us. And you'll remember that he made reference to the, the thief, the good Samaritan, I mean, sorry, the, that man, which incorporates all of us, fell among thieves. And so uh, the Bible does, Jesus himself referred to the devil as a, the thief that comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And so he does leave um, destruction in his path. And as a result of that, uh, many uh, of, of us are, are wounded by not just um, the works of the enemy, but also our own sin that we have committed in the course of our lives before uh, as Christians, before we were Christians and so forth. And so the effects of sin had so devastated our lives. And so uh, here we have in that parable, um, how the um, the good Samaritan came and he poured oil and he poured wine on the wounds in order to uh, begin and uh, uh, the process of healing. And so you'll remember that Brother Morris made mention in the Bible the typology of oil being the Holy Spirit and wine representing the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed at Calvary's cross. And so uh, it was through these uh, agents being applied that uh, healing um, uh, was uh, um, brought about uh, on the um, on this particular man. And in the same way, in our lives, through Jesus's blood and through the Holy Spirit, we too, when we come unto Christ, are, are saved and we are brought into a place of healing where God, amen, wants to heal and does heal our wounds. And so I want to look this morning at uh, the topic of healing and specifically, the phrase that is used is healing in the atonement. Now, you will also remember that um, uh, Brother Morris made mention of the, uh, God's name being made known, that God would make a name for himself. And in doing that, uh, uh, the Bible makes reference to God, and God has revealed himself through a number of names in Scripture. And one of those that we're going to consider this morning is what we is known as Jehovah Rapha, and so, or in other words, it's the Lord who heals, God who heals us. I am the Lord heals you is the scripture Jehovah Rapha. So God 
as his name is known as this is one of his self-revelations this is an understanding of his attributes of his very nature and his desire is he says i am the lord who heals you in other words god is a healer this morning and so we want to look at the various aspects of healing that are referred to in the scriptures as we go through um, uh, the Bible this morning. Now that word Rapha, mind you, Jehovah Rapha, that word in the Hebrew, it means to mend. It means by, by means of stitching to cure, to repair, to make whole. And so when you think about Jehovah Rapha, I'm the Lord who heals you, the idea is that we are wounded, that we have been ravished by sin, that we are broken, and that people have uh, broken hearts and broken lives. And God comes, uh, and I am the Lord who heals you. And so it's this aspect of healing where God takes us and he does, and he heals our hearts. He heals our lives. And I want to look at this in the scripture because this is exactly who God is and what he wants to do in our hearts this morning. So I want to look with you at a sermon that I have entitled Healing in the Atonement. Now, what I mean by that, for those who may not be understand, the, when we talk about atonement, we're talking about the reconciliation, how God reconciled man to himself through the redemptive work of Christ on the cross, through his death and ultimately his resurrection. And so this is what we could, he made atonement for sin by going to the cross and shedding his blood and offering his life as a sacrifice. So he reconciled man to uh, himself. Uh, and so this is part of the atonement. And I want to look in the book of Isaiah at what we call healing in the atonement. And we want to see how that culminates in the cross of Jesus Christ. And we want to look specifically at not the whole chapter of the prophet Isaiah in, in chapter 53. It is exhaustive. When you consider all that is written prophetically in this particular chapter of the Bible, it, you could go, as we've gone through it, just detail after detail, it speaks prophetically. This is some 700 years so before Christ ever came and was born of the Virgin. And yet, nevertheless, we have a detailed account of his coming, of his purpose, of the mind of God, the plan of God, and that which Jesus would fulfill. And so I want to look at some specific scriptures that deal with the issue of healing in the atonement and, uh, and how that works and how it applies to our lives. It's a glorious chapter of the Bible. And so when I, and again, just one last point before we read, when I speak of healing, I want you to think in these terms. Firstly, we're dealing with the issue of sin healing of or for or of sin and so the issue of sin is fundamental but then there's a second aspect of healing that we want to consider and it is the the issue of the effects of sin in a person's life so we're dealing with two aspects as we go through this the issue of sin in and of itself and the issue of uh, the effects of sin in our lives and how god is a healer he's jehovah rapha and he will heal us amen so let's look at isaiah chapter 53 verse 4 uh, is where we're going to read from and so uh, keeping in mind again that god is concerned about the whole person the spirit soul and the body as i will show us this morning now this is speaking in verse 4 prophetically of christ and it's uh, to uh, to read it now in hindsight and see it, we can see so specifically and clearly that it relates to Jesus. In verse 4, the Bible says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Praise the Lord. Let me pray. Father, I pray this morning, God, that you would speak to our hearts. Give us revelation of your word, but more than that, Lord, let it have power 
in our lives. Lord, touch us, speak to us, minister. Lord, to those that are in hearing of your word this morning, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, uh, it was, I think it was early last year, our Bible study group, we went through what is known as the Servant Songs of Isaiah. There's four in particular, and this one is uh, the fourth one in that listing that's found from uh, chapter 42 uh, onwards uh, to chapter 53 here in the book of Isaiah. There's four servant uh, songs that they're called. And this one in particular, uh, they obviously speak of Christ, who is the suffering servant, because Jesus Christ was not just a servant in terms of him coming to do the Father's will, but he also was a suffering servant. And so what we're dealing with is a suffering sin-bearing servant of God, God, who is as outlined by the prophets, and this is Jesus Christ himself. And the words of Isaiah that we read here in chapter 53 and before and after all deal specifically with what we call the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you want good news, it is found in these chapters when it speaks prophetically of the purpose and ministry of Jesus Christ. And all that is contained within this chapter culminates in the crucifixion and in the cross of Jesus Christ that uh, we, we know what Jesus suffered and died. And so some people, if you read it for the first time, you'll say, what well, was this written after Jesus died? No, no, no. This was written 700 years before he even came because the word of God is specific. The word of God doesn't speak in generalities. Amen. It speaks in specifics. And this is exactly what we find in Isaiah chapter 53. And that's what we're going to consider much more this morning. Now, we're talking about the suffering, sin-bearing servant. You see, what is clearly in view is the issue of sin. God dealing with our sin. Look at verse 10, if you can just go to Isaiah 53, if you've still got it open there. It puts it in, uh, it says, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief when you make his soul an offering for sin. And so in other words, uh, uh, it is clear that the whole uh, aspect of Christ's suffering, the sin-bearing servant, is a, the issue of an offering for sin. God is dealing with the issue of sin that came into the world uh, through uh, uh, Adam and Eve uh, and then death and sin spread to all men and we are all born in sin with a sinful nature. And so God is dealing with the issue of sin as it is. And so, and also sins in the plural sense as well, in which that is an extension of that, which we have committed as we'll see. But let me ask you a question as we, as we consider this is, Though the issue of sin is in view, is the only aspect of healing this morning, or is this the only aspect of healing that is contained within this text? In other words, is it only in terms of God healing and in terms of God's redemption and in terms of God uh, wanting to be Jehovah Rapha to you and I, is it only dealing with the issue of sin in and of itself? And so this is a question that I put to us and I'm going to answer for us this morning as we go through the scriptures, because there is some discussion. Again, we're talking about the whole being here. We're not just talking about sin. We're talking about the effects of sin and how that plays itself out in the individual. So I'm talking about we're made up of a tripart. We are spirit. We are soul and we are body. And so the effects of sin permeates each of those. And so when we talk about healing, we're not just talking about in principle and the fundamental principle of sin, but we are talking about the effects of sin as they play themselves out and how they affect us spiritually, uh, in the soul, emotionally, mentally, and also in the body. And we find that these things are contained within this text. There's discussion and say, well, it's just dealing with sin. It doesn't go beyond that. It doesn't touch on the issue of physical healing, for example, which is, could be, uh, some will say, well, God doesn't heal today. But I would ask you this question, does God still heal today in the physical sense? Is that something that we can, is still part of the plan and purposes of God? Or is it something that was just part of that particular time? 
You see, I want to deal with the issue of healing in the atonement, and I'm looking at sin and the effects of it and dealing with our lives. And so it's my conviction this morning that he, uh, as well as healing uh, uh, from sin, the Bible is clear when it deals with the effects of sin in our lives. And I want to demonstrate that to you as we go through. So let's look at verse 4. The scripture says, Surely he has borne our griefs and he has carried our sorrows. Now, in the Hebrew, this word that he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, it says, uh, yet we esteemed him stricken and smitten by God and afflicted. But you see, Jesus Christ bore our griefs and he carried our sorrows. And in the Hebrew, this particular word, literally, griefs means to be weak. And it carries the idea of sickness in, in, in the Hebrew. It carries the idea of disease and an affliction. And sorrows, speaking of the pain and grief of life that we endure. So one deals, if, if you want to put it more, on the physical and one and the other on the, uh, on, on the emotional, on the soul. But Jesus bore our, uh, uh, bore our griefs and he carried our sorrows. Now, let me ask this question. Where in the Bible is this particular verse quoted? Because it, it, is, it is quoted, it's found in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 8, verse 16. Now let's read it together and see what is going on and what's happening here. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 16, Jesus is ministering. He's in the, and he's still in the, the formative aspects of his ministry. And the Bible says, when evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word. And healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Isaiah the prophet, saying, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sickness. Now, I want you to note here when we talk about the redemptive work of Christ and we talk about the cross, let me ask you this question Is this dealing with the death of Jesus Christ? The answer is no. Clearly here, we're seeing that Isaiah, uh, Matthew is quoting the prophet Isaiah. He's quoting from verse 4, the scripture that we just read, and he's making an application of that, and it's not directly related to the cross, although it has an application to it, but it's being directly uh, uh, used in an aspect in which Jesus is ministering, and the Bible says that he is healing people who are demon-possessed. He's casting out spirits with a word and he's healing the sick who are coming to him for healing. And it's in that context that the scripture is quoted. He himself bore our infirmities or took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. And so again, it is clearer to us from reading this scripture that the issue of uh, the effects of sin is something that is in the, for, uh, in, in, in the forefront of God's mind as Jesus has come, and it is associated with the ministry of Jesus Christ. We're not talking specifically here about his death. We're talking about his ministry, and the, his ministry is such that he is in the business. His purpose is, is that he is Jehovah Rapha and that he heals and he casts out demons, and he heals the sick, and all that were brought to him. And so, has Jesus changed this morning, is the question I want to ask you. Does Jesus still heal in the same manner? Is his ministry still the same in the sense of how he ministers to us individually, and how he ministers to those that come to him? You see, the ministry of Christ has not changed in that sense. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's dealing with the issue of sin, as we'll see in the cross later. But he's very mindful of the effects of sin in people's lives. And he's Jehovah Rapha, and he wants to bring about healing. So, amen. He does in this way. He does still bring people. Let's be real. Do you think that the aspect of demon possession is only related to back then? We're living in a world today where the demonic activity is, is, uh, is prevalent around us and it's everywhere. It hasn't changed. People are still under demonic oppression. 
people still need deliverance. People still need healing because the effects of sin is still in our world today. And the devil, the thief that he is still seeking to steal, kill and destroy. So God is still the same. He wants to bring healing. So this is the ministry of Jesus Christ. So let's look at it a little bit further. Let's go to Luke chapter four, verse 18. Now we're considering the ministry of Jesus Christ. And this is the day in which Jesus himself, he stands and uh, uh, he, he announces himself to the Jew, to the Jew, to Israel. And uh, he says that these words, as he stands up to read the, the, the scriptures, he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the lord i mean what could be clear he closed the book the bible says jesus is making a declaration this is his purpose he's come to heal the brokenhearted to set at liberty those that are captive and he's there to set those that are oppressed free and so we're dealing and this is exactly what jesus did and it is exactly what he continues to do and so we, uh, we we're identifying the healing nature an aspect of God and the ministry of Jesus Christ as foretold in the prophet Isaiah in verse four that we are considering. Now, again, when Jesus read this particular um, uh, verse in Luke four eighteen, it was from Isaiah chapter 61. Maybe you can just turn there quickly because uh, as he reads it, Jesus does something very interesting. Uh, it says in Isaiah 61, from verse one and two, it says the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now notice it's a, it's a comma. It's in the middle of a sentence. And then it says, and the day of vengeance of our God. Now, Jesus didn't quote that particular verse because we are dealing with acceptable year of the Lord in the time of ministry that is related to the age of grace, the church age in which we are still now living because there is a day coming when that scripture will be announced, when the vengeance of God and the wrath of God will be poured out on the earth. But that is not yet. And the ministry of Christ remains as it is then as it is now. And so we are still in a sense in the acceptable year of the Lord in which God is in the business of healing people. God heals. He wants to heal the whole person. He wants to heal the hearts of men. And we are in the acceptable time and year of the Lord. I want you to turn to Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Because this is speaking of the ministry of Christ now. Christ is actually having died and been buried and resurrected from the dead. And so this is the birthing of the church. And in Acts chapter 38, it gives us insight again into the continued ministry of Christ and through the apostles that went out to preach the gospel. And so we find uh, in the book of Acts chapter 10, let me just get it myself. Acts chapter 10, verse 38, the scripture says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit, with power, and went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him you see what we have here is the the apostles and the disciples are declaring and preaching the gospel and they're making reference to the fact that how god anointed jesus and he went about doing good and healing healing all who were oppressed of the devil for god was with him 
And this is exactly what is happening. You read the book of Acts and you see that there are people that are being delivered of demons. There are people that are being uh, healed physically. There are people that are being saved from sin. And so the issue of sin and the effects of sin is continually being brought to our attention. And God is working through his power and through his anointing because now he had anointed the church on the day of Pentecost when the spirit of God came and he had anointed them with power to be witnesses and to fulfill his plan and purpose. And what does it involve? It involves healing. It involves the healing of sin, forgiveness of sin, and it involves the effects of sin in which God heals our hearts and our lives. And in instances, we're even dealing with the issue of physical healing. See, God hasn't changed, church. God is still a miracle-working God. God is in the business of doing miracles. We need a, being, being saved is a miracle. We are dependent on God in every way to move in our lives, whether it's salvation and forgiveness of sin, whether it's the healing of our hearts, whether it's healing in our bodies, whatever that need is or whatever it entails, we are dealing with a miracle working God. See, God is concerned about our whole person, the spirit, soul and body. You know, I was thinking there's a story in the Bible. It's found in Mark chapter 15, uh, sorry, Mark chapter five and uh, the story about the demoniac. You don't have to turn there. I'm not going to read specifically from it, but I, just to give you the indication, here's this demoniac. The Bible says that he has a legion of demons. This man is demon possessed and his uh, society can't control him. He, he lives out in the caves. He, the Bible says that he's out of his mind. Uh, he's, he's, he self-harms. Um, and he's, uh, he shows us a, a, a supernatural strength somewhat. They can't contain him even with chains. And so here you have a man that's disturbed, a man that's demon-possessed, a man who has mental health issues, if, you, so if we can use that phrase, because we, we must modernize some of these things. When we talk about mental health and we talk about the, uh, the epidemic of suffering and the effects of suffering in people's lives today, that things have not changed, church. And so here it is, Jesus, uh, this man comes to Jesus and Jesus casts out the demons. And the Bible says in Mark chapter 5, verse 15, you don't have to turn there, but it says these words that the man was clothed because he was naked, he was running around naked. Uh, so he was so as part of his healing, he was he, he, being healed. He was he had some clothes on. Praise the Lord for that. And then the Bible says that the spirits were cast out. Uh, he's uh, uses these words. He was in his right mind. Now think about that. We're not just dealing with the issue of sin. We're talking about the effects of sin. Now he's in his right mind. You see, that's part of the ministry. We're talking about spirit, soul, and body. And more than that, he is healed. And people are marveling at this man, the miracle that Jesus has done in his life. He set him free. And you see, this is what we're dealing with this morning, uh, the power of God to set people free, to bring healing to their lives. And it all comes as a result of the ministry of Jesus Christ. Isaiah says, he bore our griefs and he carried our sorrows. Can you see that that is what the scripture is referring to there? And it incorporates the healing ministry of Jesus Christ, spirit, soul, and body. And even to today, that promise and that purpose still holds. He is Jehovah Rapha. Now, I want to consider with you this word Jehovah Rapha in the scriptures. And I want to bring your attention to the cross of Jesus Christ. So if you could turn with me and I want you to turn to, um, uh, what is it? Um, Exodus chapter 15, Exodus chapter 15. Uh, where are we? Okay. Exodus 15 verse 22. Now, The story here is that God is bringing the children of Israel out of Egypt. And they've just come through the Red Sea. The, the sea has, has parted and they've gone through and the waters have closed. The Egyptians have been closed in. 
and they come to uh, a place in the wilderness, having come out of the, through the Red Sea. And the Bible says that they, uh, they, they couldn't find water, but they came to a place and they came to a place called Mara. Now, let me read it to you and we'll make a little bit of sense of it. So let's go to verse 22. It says, so Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. Then they went out into the wilderness of Shur and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Now, when they came to Mara, they could not drink the waters of Mara for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Mara. And the people complained against Moses saying, what shall we drink? So he cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a tree. When he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made a statute and an ordinance for them. And there he tested them and said, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord, your God and do what is right, give ear to his commandments and keep his, all his statutes. I'll put none of the diseases on you and which I have brought on the Egyptians for I am the Lord who heals you or I am Jehovah Rapha. This is the, this is the, this is where God reveals himself. And this is where he makes his name known in this, in this first instance here in Exodus chapter 15 in verse 27, it says, then they came to Elam where there were 12 wells of water and 70 palm trees. So they camped there by the waters. Now, this is uh, 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 important for us to understand and to grasp because uh, we, we find here that this word Mara in the scriptures means bitter. So remember, Egypt is a picture of the world. We come out of Egypt we, uh, as we're coming out of sin. We're coming out of the world. And isn't it interesting that God brings them uh, into a place and this place is called Mara, which means bitter. And when they went, to, they couldn't drink the water there because it was bitter. And so they complained, uh, the Bible says, and what shall we drink? And then the Bible says that God showed the Lord, uh, Moses a tree and he said, cast that, water, that tree into the waters and the waters were made sweet. And so here we're talking about healing. So God healed the waters. And so by, by throwing in a tree, and so the issue of a tree, what does the tree represent? The tree is a symbol of the cross. The tree is a symbol in scripture, as we will see, of the cross in which Jesus himself died. And so it is a picture of Christ. Amen. Who, uh, see, because we, as we come out of the world, as we come out of sin, many are bitter by the effects of sin and through the experiences of life between the pain and the suffering. And yet, uh, and, and so there's bitterness, but yet through the tree being thrown into those waters and through Christ's death uh, and, and atonement for our sin, the Bible says that we are healed and the waters were made sweet. That's what God does with our life. He takes the bitterness of life and he makes it sweet. Hallelujah. Sweet Jesus is what we, is the words that we use because all that baggage, all that rubbish, all that pain, all that suffering is gone. Amen. The bitterness of life is no longer lingering within the soul and it is made sweet by what? Those waters and that tree that was thrown into the waters, which is an emblem of the cross of Jesus Christ. And more than that, the Bible says that Egypt, when they, in verse 27, after this, they came to Elam, where there were 12 wells of water and 70 palm trees, and they camped there by the waters. Or in other words, it's a place of rest. When God brings us into this place, uh, 70 palm trees, so to speak, and wells of water, the living water of Christ, we are fed to the fullest. We are at rest and peace in Christ. We are healed is the is the thought that's being captured here let me build on this further in deuteronomy chapter 21 the book of deuteronomy chapter 21 we find in verse 23 um or actually verse 22 it says if a man has committed a sin deserving of death and he, is, uh, and he is to be put to death, and you hang him on a tree. His body shall not remain overnight on the tree, but you shall surely bury him that day, so that you do not defile the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. For he who is hanged is accursed of God. So God is talking about uh, someone who has committed sin and is, which is deserving of death, 
and in doing so they are to be hung on a tree and the bible lays this foundation he who is he who is hanged is accursed of god and so now think about that because this issue is again brought to our attention in the book of Galatians, chapter 3, verse 13. So if we can go to uh, the epistle in, of Galatians, chapter 3, verse 13, and let's see again, Paul the Apostle is writing, and he's making reference to the law, which brings a curse. And then he makes reference to this in verse 13. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. You see, we, would, we, we were cursed. We were under the sentence of death. We, amen, should have been hung on that tree. But here we have Christ who's redeemed us from the curse of the law, the punishment that the law brings upon us because Christ became a curse for us. And he did that, uh, as the scripture foretells, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Christ was crucified. And in doing so, he bore the wrath of God. See, the cross is what it's all about. That's what's in view. So now come with me back to Isaiah chapter 53. Because we're, now we're talking about the tree. We're talking about the cross. We're talking about the literal act of redemption where uh, Christ was, was crucified. Now listen to what it says. In verse 4, it says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. You see, the, the Jew and those of the day, they thought that, that Christ was a condemned man. He was smitten by God. That's why when he hung upon that cross, they said, let, let, let God come and take him down. Let him, come, let him come down from the cross if he's, if he's the son of God. And they mocked him. They said, that's your due. You deserve to be cursed because uh, you are smitten and rejected and God's punishing you because of your claim uh, and who you claim to be. And so they rejected him. But listen to what the scripture says because their assessment was completely wrong. He wasn't smitten by God and rejected on the basis of him being rejected by God, but on the basis that he was being made an offering for sin. And so listen to what it says in verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was for our, iniquity, or, uh, our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. And so here you have what we're dealing now specifically with the death of Jesus Christ. We're dealing specifically with, we're dealing with the cross and, uh, and, and, and all that Jesus suffered in the in leading up to it and on it. And the Bible says he was wounded. He was bruised. And by his stripes, listen to the words, we are healed. You see, he was wounded for our sin. My sin, your sin, our transgressions, our iniquities, and so for and for our peace, so that we could be saved, so that we could have peace with God, and make peace with God through His atonement, through His death, and what He accomplished on Calvary. Now these are simple concepts, but they 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 reveal to us the aspect that of Jehovah Rapha. We're dealing with one who's healing us, and in this instance, now we're dealing with the issue of sin and the atonement and the cross. It was our sins, our crimes. It was our guilt. Look at verse ten. It says these words: "Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him; he has put him to grief." Listen to that. It pleased God. Not that God hated him and was rejecting him and punishing him, but he was bearing a punishment and he was bearing our sins. And the Bible says it pleased God to bruise him. That word to bruise, it means to crush, to beat, uh, to, 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 to beat in pieces. I mean, we're not talking about here. We're talking about a horrific death to be accursed of God, to be hung on a tree, to be crucified as, as Jesus was. 
the Bible says he was wounded for our transgressions. That is that he was, he bore them. He was, he, uh, that word in the Hebrew wounded means to defile, to pollute, to desecrate. In other, in the sense that our sin was laid upon Jesus Christ. That's why the Bible says that for God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. And so Christ was wounded. He bore our sin on Calvary. And yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. This was God's ordained plan. There's no greater love than to lay down your life is what the Bible teaches us. And so the Bible says that the chastisement for our peace was upon him. In other words, the discipline of God was upon Jesus. You know, the discipline of God, the judgment of God, the wrath of God should have been on you and me. And it, and it would have been on you and I if we were not saved eventually in its fullest form. But nevertheless, the Bible says that the chastisement for our peace was upon him. So he was crucified for us. He bore the discipline, the judgment, the wrath of God. It was put upon him. And so now we are saved. Hallelujah. And the Bible says by his stripes, we are healed. You know, when it says by his stripes, some people, sometimes they can reflect upon, maybe you've seen a video or movie of Jesus and, you know, it shows him on the cross and he's got a few scratches on his back and, you know, a little bit of blood that's dribbling down here and there. But you see, that's not the picture that's being painted in Isaiah 53. The picture that we're seeing of the sin bearing servant, the suffering servant of God, Jesus himself, when it says by his stripes, we are healed. Those stripes means in the Hebrew, it means blows that cut in. These were not scratches. These were, these were, I mean, we're talking about the whip and the bones and the whip and, and that they would rip off his flesh. We're talking about the Bible actually tells us in, in chapter 52, Isaiah 52, look at verse 14. Look at what it says. It says, just as many were astonished at you, so his visage or his appearance was marred or disfigured more than any other man. You see what Christ suffered, even on that tree, being accursed and being and bearing sin and suffering at the hands of men. It was unprecedented. There's been nothing like it and there will be nothing like it. The Bible says he's, his appearance was marred more than any man. And what we're dealing with when you begin to understand and the concept, and the Bible says this, it pleased the Lord to bruise him when you make his soul an offering for sin. Think about that. Let it resonate in our hearts and our minds this morning because we're talking about a glorious sacrifice that God would pour out his wrath upon his son in giving him in such a way that we cannot fathom nor fully understand. We read it, we see it, and we identify with aspects of it. But its depths are just so far beyond us. And so he was by his, the Bible says, by his stripes, we are healed. Now, in what way are we healed? We're dealing with the issue of sin. Look at verse six. It says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. We're dealing with our sin, our transgressions, our iniquities. And they were laid on Jesus Christ at Calvary, on that cross when he was accursed of God for us in our place. And our sin was put upon him. And so when we think about this this morning, we stand in awe at such a merciful, loving God that would do such a thing. The love of God is, be, is, is, is so great. You see, turn with me to sec, uh, actually uh, 1 Peter chapter 2. In the New Testament, we have Peter refer, referring again back to the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, in the verse that we've just read. And in 1 Peter, in chapter 2, verse 
24. Um, I mean, actually, we can go to even verse 22. It says, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, talking about Jesus. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. As they reviled him, as he hung upon that cross, he opened not his mouth. As a lamb that was led to the slaughter, Isaiah says. But he suffered. He did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. Now listen to verse 24. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree. That we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. You see, Peter is referring to Isaiah. He's referring to these verses that we've been looking at in our text. And he makes the, the, the issue that he bore our sins. You see, there's a, there's a debate that, uh, and, uh, and there are those that will say, that will use this particular text and they'll make an application of it to physical. It's talking about physical healing by stripes. I'm healed, but you see they don't. And they're in error because that's not what Peter is talking about. He's talking about sin. Remember we have dealing with two issues, sin and the effects of sin. And Peter here is talking about sin or our sins and having Christ bore them on his body on the tree. But yet, in saying that, that doesn't mean that, that the issue of healing as the, as the spirit, soul and body, even physical healing, is not in the atonement or is not part of the ministry of Christ. And I believe I've already demonstrated that in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 4, as we looked at what is being said there. And that's talking about the ministry of Jesus Christ and also his ultimate act of redemption, because we must understand that there is a day coming, amen, in which God will bring about about a fool but my about my my question to us today is does does god still heal is god jehovah rapha absolutely he is amen he's the god who heals he heals us of our sins he heals our hearts or our souls and that is our minds and our emotions the internal aspects of our heart but it goes and extends to the body does that mean that everyone is healed that's not what I accept. That's not the case. We know that. But that doesn't mean that God doesn't heal. That doesn't mean that the promise still remains, that we can uh, ask God and come to God for such because that's his revealed will. That's what we see in the scriptures. And so we don't want to discount the issue of healing to the soul and to the body that, is, that we do see in scripture. But in saying that, not everyone is healed, but healing is in the atonement in this context because there's coming a day, amen, when mortality will put on immortality and the issue of uh, the body will be transformed. And then, amen, when we put on the celestial body, then salvation will be completed and there will be no more sickness. There will be no more sorrow. There will be no more suffering. Amen. Because it has all been done. It has all been completed through Christ Jesus. In actual fact, uh, in Revelation uh, chapter 21, verse 4, it speaks about the new heavens and the new earth. And, uh, uh, and it says these words, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no, no sorrow, no crying. There shall be no more pain for former things have passed away. Or in other words, it doesn't specifically refer to uh, healing uh, of sickness, but that's what it incorporates. Absolutely. And so it's in the atonement, God has in mind healing and the full restoration and the, uh, the dealing with sin and the full effects of it will be free from its presence uh, uh, ultimately and we will be healed. Amen. That is the promise that we have in scripture. And that's something that we look forward to. And that which is to come, we anticipate with an expectation and with a full assurance of faith. I want to just bring this to a conclusion just with some, some last thoughts as we consider some of these things. Because God is Jehovah Rapha. He heals us of our sins through his forgiveness. 
and he heals us through the work of his spirit in our hearts where he heals our our souls and that's the process by which god actually going back to the issue of the uh, of the parable that brother morris spoke about um the good samaritan that the that the good samaritan took him to an inn and there to be taken care of and that's part of the process of healing and that made reference to the to pastors and and elders and shepherds and all of those that are associated in that work and so tell god is in the process of sanctifying your life and healing you this is when i came to to know the power of god i was set free there was instantaneous uh, deliverance from sin forgiveness and there were effects of that and in the process of time as well god began to heal and this is the whole process of healing. We must find healing. Even as Christians, we can go on for years and there's areas of our lives that are still untouched, that are not healed. That's not the will of God. God wants to get deep down into your heart. And if there's a, you say, oh, well, there's bitterness. God wants to take that root of bitterness and he wants to make it sweet. And it always comes back to the cross church. You come to the cross and as you receive the forgiveness of God, you extend the forgiveness of God and you experience the healing power of Jesus Christ in your life. And so remember the good Samaritan, he took the oil and he took the wine and we have for us the, the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed at Calvary. And we have the anointing of the Holy Spirit that not only teaches us and leads us into all truth, but he heals us. And so the issue of healing is central in the mind of God, your whole being, spirit, soul, and body. In actual fact, James tells us in James chapter 5, verse 14, he says, Is there anyone among you that is sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of of the lord and so again we're dealing here specifically with physical healing clearly it's something that god is still interested in i'm not saying that we will always be healed and and uh, and uh, death will one day come to us all in its own form but the bible says to die is gain we win we're one and so we thank god for his precious blood we thank god for calvary we thank God that he is Jehovah Rapha. And so I want to say to us this morning, as we consider the, the atonement, as we consider the healing power of God, uh, you, no doubt many of us have experienced it, but this is what God wants to do. And he still wants to do that. The ministry of Christ is still the same today. And that's why we are to go out and preach the gospel. That's why we are to go out and minister. That's why we are to go out and share um, with, to the, into the highways and byways and compel them to come in. The Bible says this, those that are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Jesus came to save, to deliver, and to heal. And so let us preach that word this morning. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for the word of God. Yet again, this that we have heard, Lord, for that which is we have seen, that which we have read, for that, Lord, which you have done. We thank you, Lord, for the cross of Christ. We thank you, Lord, that you have borne our griefs and our sorrows, that you have, Lord, you were wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement of our peace was upon you and by your stripes we are healed. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. God bless you this morning.